All right, at long last, we fought through uh, internet issues. Brad is with us live from Vegas. It is the pre-Super Bowl, Super Bowl preview podcast. We've got a full squad today because that's the only way to preview it. We, of course, are going to talk about the national anthem. We're also going to talk about the first Usher song um, and the game, you know, as well. So uh, it's going to be a great podcast. The internet here is All right, let's do an internet check. Brad is live, boots on the ground in Vegas. Brad, um, can you even hear us? Off to a great start. Not voting well, not voting well for us. All right. Um, we're going to do everything we possibly can uh, to to make sure that Brad is able to contribute. But uh, myself, Judah, Arjun, all here as well. And um, it is Thursday, February 8th. We're recording this early in the morning. Currently, the Kansas City Chiefs, stop me if you've heard this before, are an underdog in the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes. They're currently plus 110 on FanDuel, plus 2.5, Niners minus 2.5. Um, I want your guys' initial reaction to to this, and um, I guess, do you think where do you think this number closes? Do you have any kind of thoughts on where things move, whether it be with respect to the game or player props uh, from here? Uh, Jude, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think this game uh, closes a little bit closer to San Francisco minus three, uh, kind of where these lines initially opened on the lookaheads. I think there was a lot of like, oh, you. You know, Patrick Mahomes is an underdog in the playoffs. Like, we've we've seen this game before. You bet up KC, and then it kind of trickles back to like, okay, let's take a step back, look at the kind of base rates of where these teams have been for the season. I imagine a bunch of the uh, kind of sharp money is going to come in on San Francisco pretty late, uh, and this line's going to close a little bit closer to three. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I feel like I've seen it hit two and a half. Like that's like the resistance line, and then it gets immediately bet down back to two. Um, so you think like it'll break that resistance and hit back to three on game day? Yeah. yeah. So I'm interested in in kind of the reasoning why. So I, I have a couple of thoughts here. I was actually listening to um, Rufus Peabody. I'm sure most most of you know who he is. Um, listening, if if you don't, um, one of the more well respected professional um, betters, actual professional betters, not. Uh, not he of uh, of uh, trading card lore, but um, he was talking about how the fact that the game is in Vegas, he expects there to be a lot of people to you know kind of wait to place their bets till they get there just to feel the vibe or whatever. Vegas weirdly is like the worst place to bet um, in in all the states that's legal because none of the good apps actually work there. But that being said, I, I do think that's an interesting point, and and um, so there's two thoughts that I have. The first is I actually think the opposite of you, Judah. I, I think that the Chiefs close a favorite here. And um, the reason for that is I think that we're seeing, we're not seeing people um, come in with their Chiefs money until the very end because they believe that there's a chance, you know, more people will pile in on San Francisco and they could potentially get a, a plus three. So I could see, Judah, what I would actually think is going to happen is if we see a three then people are going to just go, they're going to be ready to pull the trigger. They're going to unload. You're going to see everyone and their mother bet the Chiefs. And I, I just, this is also 
partially tied to my belief that the Chiefs should be favored. Like, I think the only place where the Niners have an advantage is at the receiver position. And, and you know, obviously they have a really good tight end, but so does Kansas City. Um, and I just think it's it's kind of absurd that, that Brock Purdy is a favorite against, um, against Patrick Mahomes. I also think that we're going to see a lot of props move up. So if you have some unders that you are circling, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity to bet unders right before the game starts. Um, so those are my two kind of predictions. Judah, I'm curious your, your kind of rebuttal there because obviously we feel differently about where the game closes. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's no actual substance to uh, where we think the number is going in the sense of like, there's something you can point to concretely. It's it's trying to guess where a market is moving and it's kind of like you say, Versailles, like Versailles say, obviously it's it's hard to, to know. I just think this is the bookmakers uh, are going to be comfortable with the kind of three line uh, kind of accumulating positions now because they think that's actually around where fair value is. Uh, just looking at like how these teams have played, that's kind of my my theory. But again, like however much the money influences it and how many people are betting is, is obviously something that's a little bit unknown. You, I do also want to like point to, and I think the prop stuff is very interesting. Looking through like Patrick Mahomes' passing prop uh, and his receiving his receivers, if you add up the yardage, there's like 60 unaccounted for yards, uh, which I find pretty interesting, which I think it suggests some value on alts for receivers, but also I imagine there'll be some sort of convergence as we get closer to game time. But at the moment right now, there's like a 60-yard gap between Mahomes' passing problem and if you add up all the receivers. That's just because they haven't opened the Mikol Harbin lines. Uh, of course. Of course. <laughs> or, or Darius Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do we expect to see a Mikol Hardman? Do we think he's going to be active? I don't think so. Probably not, because I think they just activated Sky Moore from the IR. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like, uh, so I, I think Sky Moore would probably be the Mikol Hardman person. I'm happy to fade him as well, because I, I think I think it's just going to run through Rice and Kelsey, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think he's probably the Hardman replacement. The um, Sky Moore, absolutely incredible. Uh, one of the props that we loved, we talked about when this line opened, uh, was Kelsey. I believe we got it at 64, 65 and a half. Uh, it is not quite as high as we thought it would get to. It's currently 72 and a half. But let me tell you this, it ain't going lower. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you are keen on that, I think that's probably true for a lot of these, right? Like, I don't think Rice is going lower. Um, I've seen amazingly some real Marquez Valdez scantling love, not just from our guy Eric Eager, but more broadly, which means we can only be in for for um a, a real treat. Um anyways, we'll we'll get to locks in a second. I know Brad is still fighting with the um uh, with the internet, but let's talk briefly about any injuries. I know that Joe Tooney did not practice. We talked about did not play in the previous game. Um Trent Williams was a did not participate, but that was just rest. Kittle dealing with a little bit of a toe injury. Um, it seems like most uh, of the teams are healthy. Does the Tooney thing impact your guys' view? Or are there any other injuries that, that impact your view on this? Yeah, for me, it doesn't really do it. Um, I think Allegretti's a fine backup. He's had that Super Bowl experience before where he stepped in for injured players. I think that was in the Bucks Super Bowl. Um, you know, the Niners, I think like, 
you're really just worried about Bosa and Chase Young. I mean, Young again, like rushing the passer is fine. Like stopping the run is a different story. But I'm not like too worried about Javon Kinlaw or Arc Armstead. Like I don't think they've made as, as much of an impact as I would have thought. Like even last week, it did. It, you know, Jared Goff had time to throw in the pocket despite having despite Jonah Jackson being out, which I think he plays the same position as Joe Tooney. So not too worried about Alec Grady. And I mean, especially with Mahomes, like, you know, with his sack avoidance, I think it's going to be, it won't be as much of a problem. Yeah. I'd also yeah, kind of a similar analysis there a couple weeks ago. If anything, like it incentivizes the chiefs to run less, which I think is a important thing for, for the chiefs offense. Uh, <laughs> and, and to Arjun's point, I just like, I, I trust, Mahomes sack avoidance and we're not talking about like going from a dominant left tackle to you know against a star edge player it's it's a guard these things are uh, maybe going to influence two three four plays at the end of the day and I think Mahomes is is good enough to overcome that I couldn't agree more all right let's get into um the last SGP builds of the season um we only had one game so there's no uh no curiosity on where you're going but I'm sure you have a couple of ideas um here, Judah. So I'll let you rip uh, one last time on SGPs. Yeah, I have to say it's a little disappointing. Uh, I really tried to, to dive in for many angles. There's not a ton that I love, uh, unfortunately. But uh, I do think my favorite play uh, is going to be a, a Brandon Ayuk SGP, uh, a build around. I think a lot of the kind of narrative now is oh, Kansas City's been really good against wide receiver ones. Uh, they're going to filter production, blah, 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 blah. Not like Kansas City wouldn't be good against wide receiver ones if they played uh, the San Francisco 49ers and Brandon Ayuk every week, uh, especially for a team which plays a bunch of man coverage. We've talked about this a lot uh, and kind of a, the research that, that Arjun and I did, uh, which effectively states that in man coverage, especially so uh, more than zone, the better wide receiver cornerback will win out. In general, the Chiefs have had the advantage at cornerback. That's not really true uh, against Brandon Ayuk, especially in man coverage. He's our best separator uh, in man coverage. I'll, I'll, obviously, a lot of that has to do with Kyle Shanahan, but that's irrelevant for this particular game. I expect that in this in this particular matchup, uh, the Chief, the the excuse me, the 49ers and Brandon Ayuk are the ones who are going to have the matchup advantage. Uh, and I think a lot of certainly in terms of the props moving, there's a lot of talk of like, oh, Legarius Sneed's going to be on Brandon Ayuk. That's advantage Brandon Ayuk. Uh, especially if they're going to play man coverage. Uh, his props are too low, I think, frankly. Uh, and I can certainly see him having a, having a huge day building around Brock Purdy. Uh, and I don't think that is game script particular, uh, which I think can lead to some interesting builds uh, if you want to throw in a spread as, in there as well. His, uh, I don't know if you can – I think you are not allowed to SGP this in a lot of places, but you can look at like longest reception as well. I think it's 24 and a half. Um, but you can get Ayuk, for example, you know, 100 plus, at least at FanDuel, that's over three to one. Um, I think the big play makes a lot of sense in terms of what the Niners are going to need to try and do. Um, and uh, so, like that a lot. I, I generally have viewed this as uh, a Debo game. Um, I, I think that Debo gets um, a, a bunch of touches. I think he gets a lot of uh, runs, actually, um, to try and, and kind of take advantage of some of the Spagnuolo aggressiveness. Um, but I think to your point, everything that I've said right there is uh, proof of the kind of ignorance of Brandon Ayuk and how good he's been. Um, 
You know? I just one other data point that I, I should mention. It's like the the target share in man versus zone. It's Ayuk's getting thirty percent, and Samuel's getting like eighteen. Uh, granted, when it's the Chiefs are a man heavy team, it's still probably going to max at around fifty percent, uh, relatively speaking. So it's important to note that it's not just like oh, Brandon Ayuk's going to get all of the targets, but I do think it filters an extra two three his way, uh, and there's certainly a huge discrepancy uh, between those two guys in, in man versus zone. So not worried about the Legereus Sneed uh, impact. I don't think they have allowed over 75 yards to a wide receiver one this year. Um, now, they have faced some good receivers. Brandon Ayuk has been obviously really special. Um, but I, I guess what when you think about that, Gia, someone comes back and says, okay, well, like, hey, there have been some other good wide receiver ones that they've faced, and they've kind of shut them all down. You think this is just Ayuk is better, or um, kind of what's your view on that? Yeah, I, I think Ayuk is better, and the Niners are an entirely different beast than every other NFL offense. They've been a historically good offense. Uh, I think if you're going to use the base rates of the rest of the league, you're just kind of missing the like point in the distribution where the Niners lie. And you can effectively throw most of it out the window, I think, uh, or at least relative to expectations, which is like, oh, if we're taking the base rate of what the Chiefs have done on defense this year, and using that to make our prices, I would say that's kind of irrelevant because the sample would look entirely different if they played uh, the, the Niners for 17, 18 games. Makes sense. Okay, so so you're thinking uh, Ayuk, you combine, you combine that with Purdy, maybe a Niners alt spread. How are you thinking about that build? Yeah, I think especially on points bet where you can add receptions, uh, it's particularly appealing. If you get like a, a 7 for 125 even, is like 20 to 1. Uh, if you want to throw in some some pretty stuff, some spreads, uh, I think that's kind of an interesting core build that I'll be interested in. Um, I don't even it might even be correlated, George, to what to what you're saying of uh, like Debo Samuel rush yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Ayuk's if going, if they want to get Samuel involved to try and use this big playability, uh, and and Ayuk is kind of the main target uh, on the wide receiving end, I certainly can see them giving a bunch of carries to, to Debo Samuel. Um, I think there are a couple of interesting kind of ways you can go about telling the rest of the story. Uh, but it's certainly my core angle and certainly the, the contrarian one, I think. Uh, okay, so that's uh, angle number one. What else are you thinking? Um, I, I would go, I think there's a case to be made for each of the kind of running back uh, plays that we've been uh, making recently in terms of a uh, either Christian McCaffrey or Isaiah Pacheco having big games in losses. Uh, just because of how bad both of these rush defenses have been. Um, that's Those are both plays I'm interested in. It's kind of hard to do that with McCaffrey because his uh, prop right now is at 91, is the last I saw. Uh, so I, I would have to link Pacheco here. Um, and then maybe even a uh, Pacheco receiving play uh, and kind of telling the story of I don't know why this is the one that, that comes to mind, but a Mahomes no sack, which is probably my favorite individual leg, or just mm-hmm. a cheat take a sack, which I think is actually very correlated with uh, Isaiah Pacheco receptions and receiving mm-hmm. yards. That is generally who Mahomes is looking to when he's scrambling is going to be the, the running backs. I think that's an interesting SGP build. Um, but there, unfortunately, and I really wish it was it were different, this is just not a, not a game where I particularly love the SGPs. Uh, and, and of course, don't want to force too much if it if it's not there. Yeah, I think that is interesting though. That that angle is the same one we played with um, uh, the Bills, right? Um, and you know that that kind of was working out. Now, obviously, they didn't um, 
you know, the, they didn't quite get there with James Cook, but overall had the rushing, you know, uh, ability to, to get both of those over with Allen and uh, a running back and then obviously lose the game. Um, you know, it's funny. I've watched diligently get up every single morning and I've heard the same thing every single time, which is, you know, the Niners only chance of winning this game is to uh, run the ball of Christian McCaffrey, no matter if it works or if it doesn't just to continue to run, never to stop to commit um, full, full stop and, you know, to run with him, uh, 25, 30 times a game. Um, I guess you've been pretty vocal about, you know, you throw to win, you've had some good tweets on it. Do you think, you know, do you think that's something that um, kind of happens in this game? Or do you think Shanahan comes out says the world is going to think that I'm going to run with McCaffrey and I'm actually going to throw with my guy Brock? Yeah. I don't uh, Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. I was no, just, I was just... <laughs> one, one, one thing on this. Sorry, Arjun. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. And then I would be curious, both of your guys' thoughts here. That's the last SGP build I think is probably my favorite, uh, which is if you combine Brock Purdy alt attempts with Brock Purdy passing yards in a big Niners win and basically play the angle of the Niners are going to pass a lot with a bunch of success because, like, they're so good on offense. Uh, and and they'll beat the Chiefs, you know, who are, who are kind of depressing the, the prop prices. Yeah, I was like thinking about it, you know, I think one of the things I'm worried about is that Shanahan kind of sees what Spagnuolo did to Tua, did to uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, and he, he gets a little bit scared of putting the ball in Brock's hands and in this big moment, you know, he's still a second year guy, Spags' defense are pretty hard to diagnose pre-snap, and instead he comes out with a heavy uh, rush attack, running on first and second down, putting the you know, Niners and third and long. I think that's kind of my worry. I think at times we've seen uh, Shanahan let Purdy like rip the ball. Like even that Lions game when they were down, they were they were still throwing the ball. In the Packers game, they were. I feel like they were throwing the ball. Um, but I think there is an element of conservatism to Shanahan, right? That we all know and we've known for a lot of his tenure. And even though they've had one of the most efficient passing attacks with Jimmy or with Purdy, they still run the ball at a high rate. And so I, I worry just a little bit about his mentality going in. I'm not saying that he's going to be scared to throw it. Uh, I just think that because it's Purdy's first time in this big game and he has, you know, McCaffrey, who he values so much, I feel like he might lean on that a little bit more. But I could be completely wrong with that sentiment. Yeah, the thing that I'm, you know, I was talking to um, Ben Stockwell, who uh, one of the smarter football people out there many people don't know who he is he, he's the man behind um the, the pff grading uh, process and, and runs that entire team and we're talking about the way that shanahan sets up his game plan and how his initial set of plays is really meant to identify what the opposing team is going to do in certain situations and try and find someone to kind of target and um you know i think that what he's going to be looking for from a weakness standpoint is how do i get either those two um, linebackers or Drew Tranquil into coverage and, and take advantage of them. And so, um, you know, I, I, to me, that is, that is the opportunity. And you think about, okay, let's say that he does find that, what is he then able to do? Right. And so I think, you know, what that enables him to do is really open up the middle of the field. Um, that's Ayuk, that's Kittle. Um, you know, I could see, uh, putting together something around two of those guys having really big games and one guy not so potentially going with like a Samuel under and then you know changing it up and you know doing sort of a round robin with that 
I think would be interesting. Um, and I also think you can look for that live to, to try and understand, you know, is he able to, to sort of figure that out? And if not, maybe he, he does lean on, on uh, McCaffrey. But you can be sure that first, you know, sequence of plays, right, there, it's going to be pretty balanced and they're going to try and figure out what, um, you know, what, what's going to actually happen um, when they do certain things. Um, okay. Uh, any other thoughts, Arjun, on those um, those SGPs? I guess which is your which is your favorite build if you had to put one together? Yeah, no, I love the Ayuk one. I know earlier in the week I was saying, um, you know, Sneed's probably going to shadow, and he has been one of the best ones shadowing. But I think you know, offense kind of really dictates who wins these matchups. And even though there have been some really good receivers that have been slowed down by the Chiefs' defense. Uh, I don't think any of them have had a, a schemer as well as Shanahan. And like that adds just a completely different dimension than saying, oh, Devontae, go win a one-on-one, one-on-one with like no other route concept behind you. And I think like Ayuk is going to have that, uh, he's going to have the benefit of like all the motions and disguises that uh, the 49ers do on offense, which, put, which puts a lot more strain on opposing defenses. And, and like Judas says, I think we typically find that the better receiver wins in a lot of these things. And a lot of our metrics say that Ayuk is one of the best. So I would go with the Ayuk SGP build if I had to pick. I like it. Um, I do I do like that one, especially because it's, it's different. Um, I think the CMC over maybe com combined or attempts parlayed with the Chiefs victory um at that angle i think is destined to hit here <laughs> uh at some point um we've, we've been on it for a little while it, it is inversely correlated um so that, that's definitely one that that i'll be putting together as i struggle uh to to find a sports book that that has any sense of what's going on in las vegas all right uh we will get to locks in just one second before we do DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports just dropped a brand new app it is called pick six and you can play it just about anywhere it's the newest way for you to get into fantasy football action with DraftKings. Just pick two, uh, between two and six NFL players. Choose if they're going to have more or less of a particular stat. For example, do you think that Brandon Ayuk is going to have more or less than, say, 62 and a half receiving yards? Um, they also uh, allow you to then put that together with a bunch of other player more or less stats. And then you can win up to, like, I don't know, 20x, 30x, 40x your, uh, your deposit or your, your wager. Uh, track your lineup and compete against others for a huge shot at cash prizes. You can actually play in tournaments as well. It's really, really cool. It's kind of a different take on some of the other apps that you've seen out there that allow you to do this. There's kind of a bigger payoff opportunity uh, with what they're doing at DraftKings. So I definitely recommend that you check it out, especially if you're in a state that does not have uh, legalized betting. It's probably the closest way to approximate some of the, the uh, concepts that we just talked about. So download the DraftKings Pick 6 app. Now you have, it's an app. Use promo code uh, PFF when you sign up. That's promo code PFF. Only on DraftKicks Pick 6 app. Um, the crown is yours. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, 18 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, please visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Boy, we're prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Also, uh, on pff.com right now, most teams are out of it. So go use the mock draft simulator used not just by uh, the avid fans out there, but also used by teams. Um, a lot of GMs out there that use it to 
prep for their drafts. Uh, and there's a reason. It's the most accurate. It's the fastest. You can do trades. They're super realistic. Brad, who can't speak right now, uh, spends an inordinate amount of time making sure that trade values are perfectly in line um, and that you actually get a realistic experience when you're trying to make a trade. So you can go get full access, unlocked access to the PFF mock draft simulator for 30% off with promo code MDS. And that, of course, unlocks every other part of the site as well. So fantasy betting and all of our great content at PFF. All right, locks of the week. Um, Brad, with us in spirit, has sent in the locks that he likes. So we'll kick it off with Brad's first, which is over 47 and a half. That is the total. Um, I was actually going to mention this bet as well, because I like a slightly different angle on this, which is um, potentially pairing an under, or sorry, an over um, with a live bet. So uh, I could see both teams from a scripted perspective getting off to a great start. Uh, we've seen the Chiefs get off to great starts and then basically clam up and you know go into a go into hiding. Um, so I, I think you may get an opportunity to get a live over of you know a little higher than that. Grab the under um, and then you know have just a better number there. So um, you could also take the over right now, although forty-seven and a half is high, and get a little bit of a middle if you take that angle. But Brad's first is Chiefs. Niners over 47 and a half. Arjun, you're next. Yeah, uh, I like that one also. And I like the angle of betting the under live. So one bet that I really like, um, it's a team prop bet. It's total yardage of the Kansas City Chiefs touchdowns under 35 and a half. Um, honestly, like I can't, I don't really understand how they came up with this line. Um, I, I'm thinking like it could just be something with, uh, they think the Chiefs are going to put up a lot of points, but you look at the three playoff games, a lot of their touchdowns, all their touchdowns has been, have been 22 yards or under on the season, their median yardage for the sum of their touchdowns and uh, throughout the season is 18 yards. Like they're not a team that scores a lot of big play touchdowns. The mean yard, the average yardage is 34.1. And as we know, like, you know, the mean is skewed by some of these larger outlier games where they might've had one big play, but even the average is under 35 and a half. The median is like nowhere close to 35 and a half. Um, in the regular season, the Niners allowed the fourth fewest explosive plays. So I think like from that perspective, they are going to try to put a cap on the Chiefs offense. And so, yeah, even if the Chiefs score three or four touchdowns, I think all of them are going to come inside the red zone. And a lot of the touchdowns have been inside the five, just those three-yard rushes by Isaiah Pacheco or, you know, a, a 10 or 11-yard pass to Rasheed Rice. So I think just in the playoffs, recency, and what's happened throughout the course of the season, I really like Chiefs' total yardage on touchdowns under 35-and-a-half DraftKings. Like it. Using a, a kind of similar logic there, uh, I'm going to go with the – Kansas City Chiefs to run the most plays in this game uh, at minus 102. Uh, just looking at the base rates of how many plays these teams have run per game, uh, the Chiefs are at 65.1 and the Niners are at 61, yet the Niners are favorites here. And I think it kind of speaks a lot to what Arjun was talking about, uh, of a lack of kind of uh, the Chiefs' explosive Explosive games or explosive plays, uh, they tend to kind of march down the field, uh, have a bunch of long and extended drives. I think the Niners, especially if, if we're talking about kind of offense defeating uh, good defense and driving most of the play, I imagine they will continue to have a bunch of their explosive success. And if not, 
Uh, if the Chiefs defense really is going to stop Brock Purdy, I imagine uh, that's going to be, I mean, a lot of incompletions and, and very few sustained drives. Uh, and the Chiefs can kind of control the game in that way. Uh, I think the Chiefs certainly will, will win this game if, if the defense really slows down uh, Brock Purdy. But I, I kind of, no matter how this game script goes, I think the, the base rate is just that the Chiefs uh, are, are going to, or, or should be favored to, to run more plays. And, and right now the Niners are the current favorite. That makes sense. Uh, all right, my first one is uh, Brock Purdy over 12 and a half rushing yards. We talked about this um, last time. So uh, he has, I've mentioned this a few times actually, but he has an incredibly fast 10 yard split. Um, actually, it's uh, very close to Lamar Jackson's. That's not necessarily the reason that I like this so much though. Um, I think there's a combination of two things, um, the, the stickiness of the coverage, uh, on the outside for the Chiefs, I think that at least for a couple of plays, will you know will force him to um, make a few decisions to, to pull it down. And the second is the I think this the Spagnolo blitz package um, and the fact that they play man coverage. Um, so obviously in man coverage, you've got the the defenders' backs turned. Um, I think you saw him leverage his legs in the uh, in the Lions game. Um, so I think that's a it's a sneaky opportunity. I also think that the Chiefs you know are, are I think I think they win this game. So I think Neal's not um, not something I'm super worried about with with Purdy. The one concern that I have on this, honestly, is that the Niners are conservative at the end of the half and decide to like take some knees at the end of the half if they have it. Um, but I'm willing to take that chance. Um, 12 and a half over Brock Purdy rushing yards is my first uh, lock suggestion. All right, next, Brad has Debo 100 plus rushing and receiving yards combined. That is plus 190. Um, I'll just kind of tag team here. I really do think Debo rushing is an interesting angle here. I think everyone is talking about CMC from a running back perspective and running the ball, and rightfully so. In big games, they give Debo Samuel three to five carries, and he looked incredibly healthy. I think he is a unique piece more so from a running perspective. I think it will throw wrinkles into what is going on. I think he will put Debo in positions where – the, the Chiefs are not expecting him and then give him uh, give him some handoffs. Um, so I, I do like that angle. I like uh, overrushing as well. Uh, Arjun, what's up? Yeah, uh, my next play is going to be Jawan Jennings. First reception, first reception longer than 10 and a half yards. Now, okay, like, this is going to be very sweaty. Uh, Jawan Jennings only has 25 catches this year, so he's averaging basically like just one catch per game. Um, but 13 of those 25 catches have come on third down. Typically, third downs, when he's getting targeted, it's going to be a third and long situation, which means when he's catching the ball, it's going to be further down the field. And if you do watch like the 49ers offense, a lot of his catches are kind of those over the middle of the field, in contested catches situations. And he's going to get looks because I think, again, with how the Chiefs play in man coverage, they're, they're, they might run some one double on Ayuk. They might be, you know, putting more of an emphasis on stopping Debo, which leaves Jennings in one-on-one -on -one situations. And I was looking at Judas Graf, the, um, you know, the separation and yak, and he shows up at least above average in terms of separation. And again, this is one where like, I'm not really understand. I don't really understand how they came up with the line. I'm assuming I did my code correctly. His median yardage on his first catch in any game is 17 yards and the line is 10 and a half. So again, he's getting targeted down the field. His, like on average, 
you know, or the median of, of this distribution is 17 this season. So I think it's a, I think it's a good bet. And I think with all the man coverage, the chiefs will play on third down. There's going to be one play where he's the target guy. And I think, you know, it'll be a third and long situation where he gets targeted down the field. Uh, where you go next. Yeah. This one getting a little, little exotic here. Uh, even had to drive to New Jersey for, for this one. But it's a, it's a fan duel special of, player with the longest air yard catch uh mvs at a, it's plus 900 i believe uh i think this is a, a pretty kind of simple analysis of uh mvs is average depth of target uh is 18.4 yards the only guys ahead of him are, are jalen hyatt trey tucker and chris moore uh these are obviously just deep ball specialists and that is mvs's role he's going to take the top off of defense uh, certainly on the Niner side of things, they might have a bunch of huge plays, but very rarely is that a kind of 45 yard air yard type of pass. It's more of a 15 yard crosser and after the catch type. Uh, and MVS certainly has that role for the Chiefs right now. Uh, Justin Watson could also make a compelling uh, bet here, but uh, in the playoffs, he's kind of been around a 40% snap guy, whereas MVS has been a 95% snap guy. He's going to get, you know, a couple of those deep looks. I imagine he's going to have the highest. Uh, air yard passes, and he's right now like at the seventh or eighth best odds at, at plus nine hundred. Uh, again, not really sure how this market was was made, but one I really like. Yeah, that's that's a great um, a great call out because he's been they've been you know throwing him the ball a little bit more. If he just catches it right, I think there's a real opportunity there. Out of curiosity, what is uh, Justin Watson in that market? I gotta I gotta double check that. I think it was like thirteen to one. Something okay. like that, I, I would be fine with that also. Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting one. Um, all right, uh, my next one. Um, so we've talked about uh, the Travis Kelsey angle. So I think his um, receiving yards prop now 72 and a half, given that we bet that at 65 and a half, I believe. Um, not not my favorite. However, uh, you if you're going to bet Travis Kelsey over, I would bet Travis Kelsey to have the most receiving yards in the game that's plus 260 on on DraftKings. um pretty simple analysis here is that uh he looks like he's taken um some supplements let's say um some homeopathic remedies perhaps and he's got a little juice uh in his step um i, I just you know the the coverages that the niners run um predominantly a lot of zone coverage i think really will allow kelsey to find some spots if he was able to do what he did against Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith, and Patrick Queen, like I don't think he's going to have an issue doing this against uh, the Niners' defense. So we saw what they were able to do last year against the Eagles. They came up with a game plan that put Kelsey in a lot of advantageous positions. Given how he's looked recently, um, I think he should certainly be the favorite. He's not actually to have the most receiving game uh, yards in the game, um, and uh, I would much rather bet plus two sixty on this than his over 72 and a half, which by the way is the highest in the game. So uh, don't be a sheep, go bet this instead of um, the, the over T Kels. Um, by the way, I also do not think he's going to propose to Taylor Swift after the game. Taylor <laughs> Swift is not that kind of girl, my, in my humble opinion. If, in my if humble I had opinion. seen that initial line of minus 250 on mm -hmm. the no, I think I would have put my life savings on that. Yeah. I mean, as much as I could possibly get that, I would, I would do. Um, I've seen people who think the, uh, the opposite, um, which is, is a choice. Certainly. Uh, all right. Uh, Brad's, 
Uh, next one is Brock Yacht Brock Purdy over six and a half consecutive completions at plus 125. I think the analysis here is pretty straightforward. Uh, Brock Purdy is Joe Montana. Um, and you're getting a plus price on uh, on young Joe. Uh, Arjun, where are you going next? Yeah, my next one is a prop I've been uh, doing a lot of work with in the Discord. It's it's a first catch, a first drive catch prop, and it's Rasheed Rice plus 100 to record a catch on the first drive. Uh, I would bet this at FanDuel where it's plus 100. It's under the quick bets section. Um, yeah, analysis for this. I mean, really, Andy Reid's been getting the ball in Rasheed Rice's hands early and often. I think in all three playoff games, Rasheed Rice has a catch on the first drive. And especially in the last two I've seen, we're looking at him like on screen passes. We're looking at him on kind of like these quick slants. Like they are making it a focus to get him the ball. Um, I would have liked Kelsey, but his is minus 120. It's not something I really want to lay juice on. And I think the Niners, you know, just particularly good at stopping tight ends. I think the Chiefs will attack the corners early and often. And on the year, this is actually like, you know, he's been hitting this below 50%. But I looked in the last uh, eight weeks and he's he's had a catch in five of the eight weeks, which is 62.5% of the time. Uh, the you know implied odds we're getting here is, is 50%. So I like uh, Rasheed Rice. I think they're going to get him involved often and early. And I think uh, first catch drive plus 100 is my way of attacking that. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, yeah. Judah, where are you going next? Yeah. Uh, Debo Samuel method of first touchdown to be a rushing touchdown at, at plus 800. I think this is probably Whoa. my favorite. It's probably my favorite bet here. Uh, we've got no touchdown scores minus 210, receiving touchdown plus 250, rushing touchdown plus 800. If we take the no touchdown scored market to be implied to be true, which I don't think it is, I'd actually make it a little higher. Uh, that would mean we need a 30% chance of Debo Samuel's first touchdown to be uh, a rush as opposed to a pass, uh, as opposed to a reception. And I think it is way higher than that. Uh, over the last, I don't know, three years maybe isn't the right sample because Christian McCaffrey uh, was not around in 2021. But even just taking the past year and a half, the, I think receiving touchdown is like one more than than rushing touchdown. Uh, I Also, this is like exactly the type of game script, I think, where Kyle Shanahan uses Debo Samuel in the red zone. I mean, Plus plenty. He had nine carries in the in the red zone this year. Not to mention, obviously, the the big play threat uh, that Debo Samuel represents. Um, I don't know if this is going into the line, but like if you look at his recent games, Samuel hasn't been rushing a bunch recently. I think that is a, a function of the Week 18 game. He got hurt in the Wild Card Week. Uh, was obviously banged up in the divisional round. I he's obviously going to be a, a full go for the Super Bowl. Uh, I anticipate that he will get plenty of. Uh, red zone looks and it certainly so as a as a runner at plus 800 this is i think my, my favorite bet on the board what yeah. book are you getting that at by the way Daniel. you've got a popular debo samuel method of first touchdown that is uh i love that especially if you combine that with like what we just talked about around um you know him getting uh him getting some run in the run game um is uh is pretty exciting um okay uh so sack props, I, I don't see, I don't know if you, we talked about the first sack prop. I actually don't see that anymore. So I don't know if you guys have it somewhere. I, I do love that. Um, I do love that one. But um, the the one that I want to talk about here is um, the uh, no sacks, uh, sorry, both teams to record a sack, the no, uh, which is uh, plus 350 and 49ers under one and a half sacks. Maybe they get to, um, 
Mahomes once, uh, I think getting to him twice is going to be um, a little tricky. Now, why am I worried about this? I'm worried about this because Juwan Taylor is ass. <laughs> Juwan Taylor is terrible. Um, why am I not worried about this? Because Andrew Wiley was terrible last year too, and it didn't matter. Um, Hassan Reddick was nowhere to be found. They know that Nick Bosa is very, very good. They know that Juwan Taylor is very, very bad. Um, so uh, that is, um, you know, th th I think that is the handicap. Um, the other one that I think is really interesting, FanDuel has this, which is fastest sack in seconds. Yeah. You kind of take that thought and then, you know, say, okay, how, how are they going to, you know, how are sacks going to happen and who's going to get these sacks? I think there are a couple of interesting angles. I would look at the Chiefs and I would look at the fact that they blitz. Um, Drew Tranquil in the divisional round had four pass rushes. Um, in the conference championship, he had nine. Drew Tranquil is not very good in coverage. I think they are going to um, rush him quite a bit as a blitzer. Um, the other player that I think is really interesting, right? Think about how they have, um, uh, how the Chiefs have kind of leveraged this sort of slot player in, in the past, right? Who's the slot player in this situation? Um, you know, uh, for them, I think this is going to be obviously Trent McDuffie. Um, yep. So I like either of them. Now you can get Trent McDuffie at, uh, where is this here? Um, he is at 22 to one and Drew Tranquil is at, uh, where is he? I just lost him. Uh, he yeah, has I think eight to one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I like both those. I think that is, um, everyone's going to bet, you know, Nick Bosa, Chris Jones, whatever. I think the fastest sack comes on a great blitz from Spagnolo, And I think it's McDuffie or Tranquil. All right. Uh, moving right along. Um, we have Brad's last one, which is most receptions. Rasheed Rice, two to one. Um, I don't think there is any analysis needed. He has been sharing basically the lion's share of the targets with um, Kelsey pretty evenly. Um, so he's going to probably get a lot of run here. All right, Arjun, any more for you? Uh, yeah, I have one more. I was going to say I I was I really like the Trent McDuffie twenty-two to one. That was one that I was looking at. I was going to talk about. So I'm glad he brought it up. Um, the 49ers have the fifth highest pressure rate allowed to slot blitzes this season. It's only like a 37, 38 play sample, but it is a pretty high pressure rate, you know, because Brock Berherty is Joe Montana, you know, that pressure rate hasn't really translated to sacks and it, there's only been like a 2% sack rate, but you know, th the fact that they are getting pressure, I think is more relevant here than, you know, getting sacks, which can, can just be fluky depending on who the person blitzing is. So I think McDuffie, I really like that bet. That would be the one I'd bet instead of Tranquil. Um, but yeah, my last bet is is going to be Patrick Mahomes under uh, 0.5 interceptions. Uh, look, he's just been a master at not turning the ball over uh, and or not putting the ball in harm's way. He has, I think, no turnover-worthy plays this uh, this postseason. He only has like two sacks on like 38 pressures. I don't think he's thrown an interception since the 2021 Bengals game either in the postseason. And I think a lot of, you know, what this Chiefs offense is, is not turning the ball over and letting their defense kind of uh, not lead them, but like be a, a bigger factor in year, than in years past. And so I don't think you're going to see a lot of plays where you're asking him to throw the ball further down the field. Even when they're losing, I feel like it's going to be a lot of um, kind of like safer throws. And so, the one kind of like problem I see with this, the 49ers do have one of the highest turnover worthy play rate forced on oppo opposing quarterbacks. But again, I think this market is kind of more dictated by what Mahomes does versus what the Niners defense has done throughout the course of the season. 
Judah, any more for you? Um, I'm all out. Okay. Uh, I am too. It is time to talk about the national anthem. We have done a lot of research. Uh, this trio watched multiple, uh, say, 10 or so videos of people singing the national anthem. The, the over-under right now on Bet Online, minute 30 seconds and minute 30 and a half seconds. This would make it, if it goes under, the fastest national anthem um, ever uh, since it, we started, uh, they started recording it, and that was in uh, 2007. Um, the uh, kind of recent fastest one was Mickey Guyton in 2022 at a minute 35. Uh, that was the, the, the over-under, um, and she ended up going a minute 52. Um, Billy Joel went a minute 30 uh, on the dot in 2007. So that would be, you know, basically be tied for um, the fastest. Um, by and large, these are around the two-minute range. Chris Stapleton went under 205 last year at 201. Now, Reba McIntyre has sung the national anthem twice um, in the past. It was a minute and 19 seconds at a uh, charity softball game. And in the World Series in 1997, in a very, very cold, uh, I believe, Yankee Stadium, she went a minute and 23 seconds. Um, we watched a decent amount of country singers. Um, of note, I think, Kelly Clarkston came in at a minute 34. She obviously can belt it. Um, Carrie Underwood at a minute 41. She obviously can as well. The Dixie Chicks, um, came in at uh, a minute 33. Um, they are obviously country singers as well. They were able to carry out some notes. Um, uh, Jewel, interestingly, came in at minute 27. I think she was the fastest uh, of any of the ones from a tempo perspective. Um, so look, the, the interesting thing about this is that everyone is betting the over. Um, it is juiced pretty heavily. It is minus 175 for the over, plus 135 for the under. I would be a complete... I feel like farce if I told people to bet uh, minus 175 on the over. <laughs> Betting the under is going to be painful. Okay, When I bet the under, when we bet the under uh, as a part of the National Anthem Syndicate last year, and I watched, we watched this again last night, I still don't know how Chris Stapleton went under. It's still a mystery to me. Um, I, I don't understand how he went under. He was just carrying it on and on and on and on. Watching that Reba McIntyre rendition at the World Series, I did think she actually carried some notes out a little bit longer than I actually anticipated. I do think she's going to do a little bit more, but I don't know how much more she's going to do. I don't know that she wants to get out of her comfort zone too much. So I'm officially going under minute 35 at plus 135. This is not, I would not say I'm as confident as I was last year with Chris Stapleton. Um, but I think this is the right side of history to be on uh, under a minute 35. I do believe now you have to time this right. I do believe you could wait. Potentially it, it moves up. You get an extra second. Um, people, I think, will continue to bet the over because of how much lower it is than normal. Fellas, what do you think about that anthem analysis? Uh, yeah, I mean, we watched Reba last night. I, I think like she's not someone who really like holds any of her uh, her notes or, or her words very long. It's pretty short, straight to the point, which we like. Uh, we're trying to watch this game. So, yeah, I, I like it. I, I wouldn't recommend laying minus 175 either. I think, you know, the fact that you're not really paying any a juice for that, I would lean the under, lean the under as well. George, I, I mean, I hate to say this, 
but I, I think it's a key part of the analysis. She's not young, right? We're talking about the 1997 World Series. Oh, is she 68 years old now, right? Wanting to get out of there quick. I think that was part of the kind of like initial handicap uh, is that she was like singing this national anthem in Cleveland in, in late October, November. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe it'll be a little different in Vegas. She's old. She's going to want to get out of there. I can't, I can't even say this with a straight face. I can't believe that's the, that's the handicap. So I, wait, so wait, I wait, one more thing, one more thing. It's, it's not just the age. I think there's also a cultural element to this, right? A lot of, oh, people are, are dragging out notes. They're trying to make it a show. The old school, nice and quick, right? Like stick to, stick to your pitch. Don't carry out too many excessive notes. I think it's almost a statement of kind of the old school here. I dig it. I dig it. Cause the, the one, the, the flip side of that would be, Hey, this is her, you know, she's kind of come back in the spotlight. She's doing the voice on NBC. This is probably the last big, you know, performance that she's going to do, but you know what? She's Reba freaking McIntyre. She doesn't need to take a bunch of chances. People are going to love it no matter what. And so I, I think, you know, it's one of those ones where, you know, to use a baseball analogy, you just want to get it over the plate. Okay. Um, if you're, if you're throwing out the first pitch. Okay. Last one is the first Usher song. Last year, I felt really confident I was wrong. My fiance nailed it. She uh, had Rihanna at uh, Bitch Better Have My Money. Absolutely nailed it. I didn't listen to her. I'm an idiot. I did extensive analysis on this last night. Here is where the current odds are. Uh, this was as of last night. My way is minus 110. OMG, oh my God, plus 150. Yeah, and love in this club are seven to one. DJ got us falling in love, eleven to one. Burn twenty-five to one. Good, good. My boo and superstar thirty to one, and boyfriend is forty to one. My initial belief is that it will be oh my god because of the way that the song comes out. Um, I, I, my way was the other one that I thought made sense, but I just think oh my god has such a perfect intro that um, it, you know that it makes sense now. Here's the key thing. I don't love betting plus 150. Everyone thinks that yeah is going to be like middle of the uh, of the set, which I think makes sense because it's his biggest song. But piece up, a town down, the intro, the entire stadium would go absolutely apoplectic if that's how he comes out. So I think there is a little value on yeah. I don't see this out there, um, but I personally really like more as well. Um, that's one that I've gotten from my my intelligence sources uh, as being one that they could see uh, coming out. So those are the ones that I like. Um, again, I don't love that OMG is at, uh, oh my God, I can't believe that's uh, that is plus 150. Don't love those odds, but I, I do think it, it should be the favorite. Um, I think, yeah, it's really interesting because um, of the way that the song opens. Um, and I, I don't know if you can find this anywhere, but I would not be surprised if Alicia Keys comes out and does my boo. Um, uh, that would be that would be pretty sweet. He's definitely bringing someone out. Um, guys, I know you are huge Usher fans. Your thoughts on my Usher first song analysis? Yeah, I mean, I haven't listened to Usher since like 2010, probably. I mean, you know what the type of music I listen to. So. <laughs> 
Um, no, so yeah, I, I, I really can't add anything to this discussion, unfortunately. Okay. Judah, your thoughts on Usher? I, I too am like Arjun, listen to very different music. When you're so deep in the weeds of football mm-hmm. and have been since, you know, yeah. you were able to, to speak and watch, who's got time for, for things like uh, Usher? I will say, yeah, is the only song I've heard of. And okay. Brad says it's a lock. So I, I, I go with that. Brad likes it. I mean, the the thing that you've got to think about, the way that I think about this is just the way that it opens and the kind of the narrative of the song. But if you listen to Oh, Oh My God and Yeah, the opening of both, either one could work. Um, certainly. So, like, I think, I think it's one of those two. Um, I don't see more anywhere, but that one also has a compelling beat and it starts, um, you know, it, it starts in a good way. So if you can find that, maybe super long odds. Throw a few on there. Um, okay. Any last Super Bowl thoughts before we get out of here? Brad, anything from you? <laughs> Brad with us in spirit, managed to get his locks in like an absolute stuff. Okay. Uh, here are the lock options. I think you guys put all these in here. Please correct me if I, I missed any. Um, we've got from Brad uh, over 47 and a half, Debo 100 plus rushing receiving plus 190. Yacht Brock Purdy over six and a half consecutive completions plus 125. Most receptions, she Rice, two to one. Um, Brock Purdy over 12 and a half rushing yards. Uh, KC to run the most plays, minus 102. Juwan Jennings, first catch over 10 and a half. KC total touchdown yards under 35 and a half. MBS, uh, both those minus 110. MBS longest air yard catch, which is almost 10 to one at plus 980. Kelsey, most receiving yards in the game, plus 260. Rashi Rice, first drive catch, plus 100. Debo Samuel, method of first touchdown, rushing touchdown is 8-1. to one. Both teams to record a sack, no, plus 350. 49ers under, one and a half sacks. Trent, I think that's plus 110. Trent McDuffie, fastest sack at 22-1. to one. Mahomes under, half interception, minus 160. And, of course, we're going to throw them in there. Reba to go under a minute 30, plus 135. Yeah, seven to one. Oh my God, plus one fifty and more if you can find it. And Brad also threw in a heart. Normally we try and whittle this down. It's the freaking Super Bowl. We're not going to yeah. whittle it down. Okay. Um, you've got nothing left. We've got to go however many months without seeing NFL football. Arjun's got the hat on. We will come back. We will t- not be here on Sunday. We will do a Super Bowl post Super Bowl recap show. Perhaps we'll have some special guests on. Perhaps Brad will figure out his internet by then. Until that point, we love you all. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Go Niners. Peace.